Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And this afternoon, we come to you live from Las Vegas Ballpark. The scene tonight, the battle for Vegas. Your Las Vegas Raiders going up against the Las Vegas Golden Knights and uh, should be a lot of fun here at the ballpark tonight. Very excited about Team Josh Jacobs going up against Team Riley Smith and uh, what I saw last year here at the Las Vegas ballpark, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, the Raiders came out on top. That was at that point Team Marcus Allen, and so very, very much expecting to see a heck of a show tonight. Uh, excited about the event. Uh, there's a lot of great players, both uh, hockey, the Golden Knights representatives, and also the Raiders, and also uh, some Major League Baseball players that are going to be represented this afternoon as well. So we are out here bright and early. They're still doing the doing the, putting the, the, the water on the grounds, on the dirt. They, uh, they put up the fence for the, the softball fence, so it's not the official aviator's fence, which is 415, 380, and such. It's a little bit closer, so we should see some home runs this afternoon. But, you know, as a, as a fan of baseball, as a guy that used to love going to the ballpark with my grandfather or my mom or my dad or whatever the case may be back in the day, I always like getting to the park early. I always like to get to the park early for batting practice because I wanted to try to catch a fly ball, a home run ball, which, by the way, I never caught. I couldn't tell you how many baseball games I went to as a kid. Never caught one baseball. I don't know what the, what the situation was, but it's like I was the magnetic force that made the ball go away from me. So I never caught a ball until I actually made my way to Arizona for spring training. And then I didn't catch the ball, but it's much easier to get the ball. It's much easier to get autographs. It's much easier to get all of that stuff when you're at spring training. Somehow they just happen to find you. So I think I walked away from spring training with four or five different baseballs. But, uh, yeah, at an actual game, standing in the outfield or standing in the outfield uh, bleachers trying to catch a ball with my glove that I brought every single time, yeah, I never used it. Never once used it. Even when I was sitting in the, in the stands and I was telling my mom, don't worry if a foul ball comes, I'm going to catch it. No, nah, no, nah, never happened. I don't think the ball ever even got close to me. I, like I said, I don't know what it was. There must have been a big X over my head, and I didn't realize it. But they were not going to let a ball come anywhere near me. Maybe they knew what was going to happen. Maybe I thought I was going to catch it, and they knew better. Like, nah, we're going to protect the people around you, dude. You ain't got the hands like that, which is probably why I'm sitting here talking about baseball instead of playing baseball. But tonight it's going down, the battle for Vegas. Uh, it's going to be a fun event between the Golden Knights and the Raiders. Uh, loved being here last year. Can't wait to do it again this year and check it out. We'll have uh, some media availability around 6 o'clock, so we'll be able to talk to some of the members of Team Jacobs and Hopefully I'll be able to talk to Josh. Hopefully I'll be able to talk to Marshawn Lynch, who's playing for Team Jacobs. Darren Waller's playing. Foster Moreau. There's a lot of – Max Crosby's going to be playing. There's a lot of folks preparing to play in this game tonight for the Raiders. And, oh, by the way, training camp gets started on Wednesday. <laughs> you know, the, the rookies and the injured players reported to camp today, and the veterans will report on Wednesday, and then real activity really is going to begin on Thursday. But, I mean, the offseason's over. It is 100% over. We made it. You know, I didn't know. We always go into the offseason not knowing what we're going to do. I don't think we're going to be able to make it the next few months. How is this going to go? I'll tell you what, man. This offseason has gone by quick, fast, and in a hurry. 
I'm checking out Team Josh Jacobs right now. They have the starting lineup on the on the board, the big screen. And the only reason I, I bring this up is because we talked to Denzel Perryman uh, a few weeks ago talking about him being a part of the team. And I said, are you going to lead off? And he said, nah, I'm not going to lead off. Guess what? Denzel Perryman's leading off. So, Damon, we talked him into to being the leadoff hitter. So there's that. Spoken into existence. We spoke it into existence. And after we convinced him about setting the tone, I think that that was all he needed. And so he went to Josh Jacobs, who's the team captain, and said, hey, man, you got to put me in. You got to put me in first. So there you go. Denzel Perryman is going to be leading off for, for the Raiders. The starting lineup is now gone off the screen, so I can't tell you the rest of the starting lineup. But when it rolls back around, I'll definitely get to that. But, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool to see uh, Denzel Perryman took my advice and decided he's going to be the leadoff hitter. Took our advice, really, because we, we both kind of convinced him to, that that was the best decision for him. So that's what's going to happen. And, of course, like I said, I'll update you more as I see the, the roster and the starting lineup uh, roll across the big screen here at Las Vegas Ballpark. But excited about the fact that you know it's it's the offseason's over uh we we never know exactly how it's going to shake out and and all the different offseason storylines that we're going to have but i'll tell you what for the raiders especially with you know having a new regime hiring a new regime uh obviously just recently hired a new president of course there's been a lot of uh, moves in free agency the big splash going and making the trade for Devontae adams having the draft right here in vegas also helped there was a lot of stuff that got us through the end of the Super Bowl to the beginning of where we are right now. I mean, it really did go by pretty quick, fast, and in a hurry as far as I'm concerned. So uh, excited to be back out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center trying to make some plans right now when I can do my show uh, live from there and when we'll be there on location. So uh, it's, it's, it's some good times ahead. But uh, before we get to any of that, of course, we're going to get to tonight which will be the battle for Vegas. So uh, some good guests that we have coming up on the show. Matter of fact, we have a loaded show today. Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. He was on vacation last week, but he'll join us at uh, 2.30 to talk about the start of training camp. It's also in baseball. It's the all-star break. So we'll also talk to him about his Dodgers. He's a big-time Dodger fan. So we'll talk to him about the Dodgers, who right now are 10 games up in the NL. Uh, they're leading that, that division. And, of course, the All-Star game is being played at Dodger Stadium, so we'll talk to him about all of that. But mainly we'll talk to him about Raiders training camp and his expectations when he gets out to the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center, what he's going to be looking for. So that's coming up at 2.30. At 3 o'clock, I mentioned the All-Star break. Elisa Hernandez, she's the Dodger Stadium host. And I'll tell you what, uh, this young lady's career has just skyrocketed. You know, I remember when uh, I used to first talk to her when I was in Central Texas and I'd have her on the radio and she was covering some baseball. She was covering a little NFL. Talked to her at the Super Bowl this past year in L.A. And, you know, her career just kept on climbing, climbing, climbing. Now she's a Dodger Stadium host. And she's also doing stuff with the NFL as well. But uh, she just continues to just blow up. So she's going to be the next one. You remember that name, Elisa Hernandez. She'll be the next one that really blows up and is on the on the main screen and the main stage and just doing some really big things. But with the All-Star break happening and the All-Star game taking place at Dodger Stadium, the Home Run Derby tonight, she's actually going to be a part of that. So we'll talk to her about the expectations from the Home Run Derby. And I'll tell you, maybe it's just because I'm a 45-year-old dude going on 46 and I have no problem saying that. I, I like the old-school Home Run Derby where it's just basically – everyone against each other and there was no pairings of people and you know like this this um divisions or, or not even divisions but kind of seedings and all that stuff like man i just want to see a guy go up to bat get 10 outs and call it a day right that's that's how we grew up playing home run derby right we just stood out there and once 10 outs was up then you were done and whatever happened has happened. So I, I like the old school style of home run derby, but I get it. Everything evolves, including that game but and that contest. But that'll be tonight. Uh, tomorrow, let me ask you this. I don't, I don't know how deep dive you've done uh, with your Major League Baseball uh, studying, but uh, do you have a, fa a favorite right now for uh, the home run derby tonight? I'm going to go with Schwarber. He's leading the NL. Aaron Judge isn't, playing, isn't competing in it. So right. I'm going to go with Schwarber because he's leading the NL. So okay. He's got the most. 
All right, I like that. would be the sentimental pick, but so let's, be, let's be real. <laughs> right, yeah. Pujols ain't going to win it, but that would be cool, right? That would be cool. That would be one for the OGs, right? <laughs> Let the OG Albert Pujols go out there and, and do his thing and win. I know that's not going to happen, but it's going to be cool to see him out there. I'm going to go with Juan Soto. And the reason I'm going to go with Juan Soto is because he's he uh, he just recently turned down a $440 million contract uh, offer 15 years from the Washington Nationals. I think he's going to go out there and put it on display of why he was able to turn that $440 million down and said, no, uh, you need to up that money. If it's, if, it's, uh, if it's not the 440 that he wants upped, it's the less years and he wants more money per year. Whatever the case may be, I think he's going to go out there and put it on display and let it be known why he turned down that $440 million. So that's going to be the guy that I'm picking for the home run derby tonight to win it. But we'll see what Elisa Hernandez has to say at 3 o'clock. She, again, is going to be a part of the home run derby tonight as she's a host there at Dodger Stadium. So that's at 3 o'clock. At 3.30, Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride will join the show to talk about Running backs for the Raiders, and of course the running backs are the running back room is very packed, including Josh Jacobs, including Kenyon Drake, including Zamir White, who reported to to camp today. Uh, they have Britton Brown that they picked up from UCLA in the seventh round. Of course, they have Brandon Bolden, a free agent that they brought over from New England. Uh, uh, Jakob Johnson, the fullback, he's there to take Alec Ingold's place, and then uh, they have Amir Abdullah as well. So they got seven running backs on the roster right now. He actually had an opportunity not too long ago to talk to Kenyon Drake, so we're going to get his thoughts on on Kenyon. And uh, where he is with his rehab, because one of my big questions I have for Kenyon Drake and others going into camp starting on Wednesday is their availability. When are they going to be available to actually get out there and practice? You know, and I think that with a new regime, you want to get out there sooner rather than later. You want to get out there and show what you're worth and why you're worthy of that roster spot. Because, look, everyone, as Denzel Perriman has told us many times, everyone is fighting for a roster spot. Now, there's a few that you know, like, okay, there's no doubt this guy's going to be on the roster. But for the most part, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to prove what they're worth. And if they're not able to get out there early in training camp, they might not have enough time to prove their value to the team. So I'm interested in the health of Kenyon Drake, when he's going to come back, when he expects to come back, and uh, not only that, just kind of his role. And, and, look, I got to talk to Kenyon Drake uh, probably about a month ago. He was at an event uh, over at one of the uh, local casinos here and local bars as he was uh, doing a charity event that was really cool. And, and, you know, he said he's willing to do whatever it takes for the you know coaching staff to, and help the team win games, and I know that that's what he's all about. But, uh, you know, he's had a – He's had a history throughout the course of his uh, NFL career of, of injuries. You know, I mean, it's just it's just that's what it is. It's nature of the beast, you know, and, and availability is, is a major thing. We talk about it all the time. Your best ability is availability, and nobody likes to hear it, but it's the truth. And I believe that if anyone believes that, it's this new regime. So uh, we'll talk all things running backs with Matt Holder and especially Kenyon Drake. Then at 4 o'clock, this is where we're going to have to keep our head on a swivel because we're supposed to have – Bob Clark call in uh, about the ultimate ninja competition that's going on here in town. Uh, it looks like a pretty cool little event that they have. We actually been giving out tickets to it. We have some tickets to give out this afternoon as well. If uh, you know, all you gotta do is call in and get hooked up with them. But I'm not sure. He's kind of in traveling mode, so I'm not sure if he's going to get the message and get the memo about calling in at four o'clock. So. Uh, he had talked about calling in at 4.30, but we don't have that, that option. <laughs> we have a guest at 4.30, and that guest is going to be right here at the table I'm sitting at. So he doesn't have that option to call in at 4.30. So if he calls in at 4, we'll talk to Bob Clark. If not, that's okay. We'll catch up to him tomorrow. It's no, it's no worries. But uh, we're going to kind of keep our head on a swivel and see how all that shakes out. And then at 4.30, as I mentioned, we do have a guest that's going to be here right here at the table, and that's uh, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She's all over town covering the Aces, covering UNLV, covering the Raiders. I mean, she's all over town. So 
so she's going to be here covering this game tonight. So she said, yeah, hey, I'm going to be here. Uh, I'll, I'll just join you at the table. And since we, catch, we check up with her uh, once a week anyway, I thought, hey, perfect opportunity. Instead of calling her on the phone, she'll just sit right here, put a headset on, and she'll talk about the game. And, you know, she's been covering Josh Jacobs a long time, going all the way back to Alabama when he was still in college. And so uh, I think it will be fun for her to catch up and uh, talk to her about the, the game. And I remember actually – it was this time last year I actually met her at this uh, at this ballpark preparing for this same event. So one year later, here we are, and <laughs> she'll be joining the show. So it's just a pleasure to be out here and be able to, uh, you know, kind of be the lead-in and the soundtrack to what's going to happen later on here at LV Ballpark. So those are the guests that we have scheduled for you. Like I said, man, we're going to go fast and furious the next three hours, 2 to 5 o'clock. Ed Graney at 2.30, Elisa Hernandez at 3, Matt Holder at 3.30, maybe Bob Clark at 4, but Paloma Villacana will definitely join us at 4.30. So those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Now that that's all being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So with the start of training camp today, and I mean, it's officially today, you know, as I mentioned before, the rookies and uh, the injured players reported to camp today. Uh, Really, a lot of the activity is not going to begin until Thursday, but it's close enough, right? We're right here. We know that that this week there's some activities going on, and this is when the team starts to build. So last season, the Silver and Black were 10-7. and They were the fifth seed in the AFC and obviously lost in the first round, the wild card round to the Cincinnati Bengals in a heck of a game. You know, Cincinnati goes on to losing the Super Bowl to the Rams, but they end up making that run all the way to the Super Bowl. So everything starts now. Everything starts today as far as team building and as far as this team trying to make a run to get back to the playoffs. Because in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, and feel free to chime in and correct me if you think I'm wrong, it it should be expectations of playoffs every year. I mean, that expectations. Unless you have some massive – you know, a huge hole, like you get someone, someone's injured, or in the case of, like, the Seattle Seahawks, you trade your, your quarterback, and then all of a sudden you're stuck with a guy like Drew Locke or Geno Smith, then the expectations might not be playoffs. Or if you're a team like Pittsburgh and you had your quarterback for a very long time, then all of a sudden you really have a big void, and now they're looking at Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. You know, so that you could probably say, well, maybe they're not going to make the playoffs. But for the, for the Silver and Black, for the Raiders, for Josh McDaniels, in my opinion, they've tasted the playoffs now. Now the expectations every year should be the playoffs. And I know some are going to say, oh, well, Q, this, that, and the other. No, I mean, there, there should be no excuses. Every team in the league, first of all, should want to make the playoffs. Every team in the league is not capable of making the playoffs. There are certain teams you can look at right now and say they're not going to the playoffs. Like I feel very comfortable saying the Jacksonville Jaguars will not be in the playoffs. And I think that they're very comfortable knowing that. Even though they're going to try to build to get there, I think that they're very, it's very obvious that they won't be there. I think it's very obvious the Houston Texans won't be there. I think it's very obvious that the New York Giants won't be there. And and they even have a new head coach, so they got a little bit of a hope. But until they figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback position, I think that it's pretty safe to say, yeah, they're not going to be in the playoffs. But for the Raiders, who gave a, a, a big boost and a big shot in the arm for Derek Carr in that offense when they went out and made the big move for Devontae Adams, you don't go and trade a first or a second for a number one wide receiver in the league if you don't expect to make the playoffs. And you don't expect him to be a big-time factor and help push your team to the next level. So what I want to throw out there, and I want to kind of look at this, I, I just want to focus in on the AFC. We know that the AFC West is going to be tough. We already know. I mean, it's, we've, been, we've heard about it a million times, right? We know who Kansas City is. They've won the AFC West forever. We get it. The Chargers, they have the greatest quarterback since, you know, Dan Marino, John Elway, according to a lot, right? 
Justin Herbert, he gets all the accolades in the world, uh, still hasn't gotten to where they need to go yet, but he's very young in his career. And I think just by looking at him, you can tell he's a pretty stinking good quarterback, right? I don't think there's any, any doubt in that. And then you have the Denver Broncos who just picked up Russell Wilson. If anything, I probably have a question about Russell Wilson in Denver. I've said it multiple times that I still don't quite 100% believe in what they have going on. Matter of fact, earlier this morning on ESPN uh, National, and but also heard on our sister station ESPN Las Vegas on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, Keyshawn Johnson and Max were going through different teams in the AFC, and what they're doing is they're doing their NFL two-a-days, similar to what we were doing with our training camp two-a-days. And so Keyshawn Johnson started talking about the Raiders and actually put it out there that he believes the Raiders are in a better position than the Denver Broncos. I think the Raiders are a little bit better than the Broncos. I think Derek Carr is a little bit better than Russell Wilson. The receivers obviously speak for himself. Uh, Cortland Sutton and that crew is not Devontae Adams and that crew. The defensive side of the ball for Denver is supposed to be the strength of that team. We'll see. Um, new head coach where you have Josh McDaniels as a head coach before in Denver, matter of fact, and now he's a head coach again. So his second time around tend to be – better sometimes to these coaches in their first time around. So we'll see what that is like. And I just I know Russell Wilson's a great player and and most likely gonna be in the Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, I don't think that the Denver Broncos were Russell Wilson away from going to the Super Bowl. You said something quickly there I don't want to rush past Key. You said Derek Carr is a little better than Russell Wilson. Now I wouldn't say that's controversial exactly, but I imagine most people would have Russell Wilson ahead of Derek Carr. In other words Russell Wilson would, I think, appear on most everyone's top 10 list, and I would guess Derek Carr would appear on some, but maybe be just outside the top 10 on others. But you said definitively they have a better quarterback, the Raiders and the Broncos. I think they do. Mm -hmm. but that's What do you just like more me. about Carr? I don't know. I, I think he's underrated. He's always been one of my favorites, you know, back to the Jack Del Rio days. Um, one, he's very, he's very mobile. He can run around. His his arm strength is is better than what you probably give him credit for. His accuracy has gotten better over time. And he just, I mean, everything about him feels good to me. I mean, everything just felt good from day one when he was a potential Super Bowl, not Super Bowl, I'm sorry, a potential MVP candidate until he got hurt the year that they played the Texans in the uh, playoff game when they lost to the Texans. Keyshawn Johnson right there this morning on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max talking about Derek Carr. And you, saw, and you heard him talk about the Raiders, and he felt like they were in a better position than the Denver Broncos. And if you look at many different projections from d many different outlets, they have Denver making the playoffs and not the Raiders making the playoffs. They have Russell Wilson as a top-ten quarterback and Derek Carr just on the outside looking in. And none of that really matters right now, right? But I just like the fact that, again, another national personality or voice speaking up and saying how they feel in a positive way about the silver and black. And I, I tell you all the time, I want to bring those, continue to bring those to the table because I know too many people say that they don't get, and they're not hearing any love from the outside. Well, that's some love from the outside right there. And if you're wondering around about Keyshawn Johnson's voice right there, side note, it was his 50th birthday party this weekend, so he had a hell of a celebration. And if you follow Keyshawn Johnson on Twitter, uh, you'll understand why his voice is a little uh, – not his normal voice because he looked like he had him a heck of a party. One of those parties that it takes a couple days to recover from. Uh, and look, as a 45-year-old dude, I understand. <laughs> you don't recover like you used to, man. <laughs> when you're 22, 23, you go out and party hard, and then all of a sudden you wake up the next morning, you're good to go, no problem. Man, 
Recovery, see, DeMond, you got to appreciate being a young dude because recovery now is just not the same. So I got to plan my parties out. Now I got to plan how much time I have to party and how much time I have to recover. If I got to do something next morning, there ain't no party going on the next night or that that, that previous night because it just, like I said, you just don't bounce back. But getting back to the subject of uh, the Raiders and the AFC, I want to know, if you look at the AFC as a conference, who do you see right now heading into training camp as the top seven teams? Because that's all that matters. Again, like I said, my expectations are the Raiders are a playoff team. I honestly don't care if they win the AFC West. I just believe that they have to find a way to make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs this year, I feel like it's a, it's, it's a bust, right? It was a fail. The season was a fail. And I don't have a problem saying that on July 18th. And I think that if you ask Derek Carr, he would tell you that, hey, I'm looking squarely at the playoffs. You know, not saying that they're overlooking the season because you can't do that. You've got to take it one, one week at a time. But the expectation should be for the playoffs. So if I look at the teams that made the playoffs a season ago in the AFC, DeMond, your Tennessee Titans were the one seed. The Chiefs were the two seed. The Bills were the three seed. The Bengals were the fourth seed. The Raiders were the fifth seed. The Patriots, sixth. And the Steelers were the seventh seed. The Colts missed the playoffs, the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Browns, the Ravens, the Broncos, the Jets, the Texans, and the Jaguars. They all missed the playoffs. So looking at those top seven teams, and I'd love to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Also the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and it might be easier to text in. Who are your top seven teams? Who are the teams that you feel like are going to make the playoffs out of the AFC, and what seed would you put the Raiders in if you have them as a playoff team? Because you might not. You might not agree with me. You might think that, hey, this is not a playoff team or they're going to take a step back because it's a new regime and they have to learn a new offense. And, look, I, I don't – I'm not signing up for any of that. I'm really not. I don't care if they got to learn a new regime. I don't care if they got to learn a new offense or new – I don't – new scheme. None of that matters. Once the core guys – and I'm talking about the Wallers, the Crosbys, the Cars, the Jacobs. You know, I'm talking about guys like that. Chandler Jones, who's been there, done that. You know, Trayvon Merrick, who was a rookie – once these key guys, Denzel Perryman, Jonathan Abram, Hunter Renfro, all, all these guys, once they've tasted the playoffs, they, there should be the expectation that they're going to taste the playoffs every year. It's simple. Simple as that. I, I, I don't know if they're going to walk it off six times like they did in 2021. That's not an ideal way of operating. You want to you wanna be in control and command of more games than you're not. But whatever the case may be, however you got to get there, you just got to find a way to get there. And I do believe, as I mentioned before, that that's, that's, that's what their expectations are. So uh, we'd definitely like to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and also the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Who do you think are going to be the top seven teams in the, in, in the playoffs in the AFC? Let us know about it. Again, 702-365-9200. Let's start things off with Raider Dave in Denver. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey there. Hey, what up? Oh, I can't hear anything. Okay, I got you now. Great. <laughs> I think a better question would be, sorry, Q. I think the better question would be, and this happens every year, you know it, uh, which of the playoff teams that made it last year will not be there this year? I think yeah. the rest of them, or I think the majority of them are probably going to be there. And here's the other thing that I question with the offensive philosophy to change, actually defense and coaches all across the team, how do the Raiders protect the lead? That's where they got into trouble last year, where they would play too much prevent defense. It would prevent them from winning. I just want to hear your take on how do you think they're going to actually play in the fourth quarter when they do have a 10-point lead. 
Yeah, good. Hey, good call, uh, Raider Dave. I appreciate you. And it's funny that you mentioned the teams that aren't going to make the playoffs because that was going to be my next thing I get to was the teams that I thought weren't going to make the playoffs out of those top seven that did make the playoffs. But as far as protecting the lead, uh, I think it's what all of Raider Nation has been talking about for years, right, is, is staying aggressive, staying, uh, you know, staying, keeping your foot on the gas. I mean, there's too many times you'd see the Raiders throttle down, right? And, and was that not a complaint? That was a complaint from all of Raider Nation for years. I mean, not, this isn't nothing new. This has been something that everyone says, oh, but they get too conservative once they get a lead. In, in today's day and age of football, and the way that you can score so quickly, it's almost like the three-pointer in basketball, right? The three-pointer will get you back in a basketball game quick, fast, and hurry. How many times have we seen a team you know, erase a 20-point lead all of a sudden? It's like, well, there goes that 20-point lead. That's a wrap. You know, it, it just it happens so quickly. I think in the NFL now, it can happen so quickly. You can get a three and out. You can... You know, you don't even have to go deep anymore. Remember, it used to be like, well, they gotta, they got to take a, a deep shot. Now these guys are so skilled, you can do a bubble screen and someone could take it to the house. I mean, it's just that simple. I think that, and, and this is kind of what goes back to, you know, uh, John Gruden and his, and his kind of older philosophy of you get the lead, you run the ball, and you salt away the clock. I love that if it works, <laughs> right? I mean, that's ideal. If your running game is that dominant where you know, hey, I got a 10-point lead, I can run the ball for the next eight minutes and the, and the game's going to be over, I would love that. It keeps your quarterback from harm's way. It does a lot of good things, right? But in today's day and age, it's just not realistic. Teams can score too fast. They're too skilled. There's too many great players and too many guys with good arms, you know, too many really good quarterbacks. You think that you can get a 10- or 14-point lead against the, against the Chiefs and think that Patrick Mahomes is done or, or the Chargers? Look at the Chargers game in Week 18. You know, no lead was safe, right? Every time you thought that the game was over, it wasn't. Russell Wilson, same thing. You know, I mean, there's just too many really good teams that can get back in games quickly. I think, Raider Dave, to answer your question, I guess in a long-winded way, and, and it shouldn't have had to been a long-winded way, you just got to keep your foot on the gas. And I think Josh McDaniels knows that. You know, that's the good thing about it. I, I believe that he already knows that, that he's got to stay aggressive, and that's exactly what he plans on doing. Let's take one more call. Demont, who's up next? Frank and Henderson. Frank, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, how you doing? Hey, is this exclusive just a Raider talk, or can we talk about NFL? Or You can talk about whatever you want, brother. Okay, because I, I, I want to talk about who I know for sure is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Uh-oh. And you can, and you can get him at really good odds, too, and I love it, and I already did. <laughs> but first I'd like to say, look, I, I love what the Raiders are doing. I'm sad to hear that, how it all went down, starting with Gruden and then everything that's happened with the team moving on, and I wish them all the best. But, yeah, the Raiders, they're definitely doing something right here. they got a fantastic young coach. Um, Derek Carr, I actually happened to, I met him at his last Fresno State game here in Vegas um, and just love what he's doing. Everyone can say what they want to say about him, but you know what? You keep that kid straight. You give him a good offensive line. Make sure that the running game's working good. And I think uh, I think the Raiders are going to win. Well, I think they got them at what nine games, eight yeah. and a half, something like that. Yeah, eight and a half. Yeah, they're they're gonna they they might hit that ten. But with that being said, you got to go with my beloved Baltimore Ravens. Ooh. And, here, and this is why I say this: if you follow the Baltimore Ravens, like of course, like I do, you know exactly what they went through last year. Yeah, they didn't have no starting running back. Their offensive line was depleted. Defense was just shutting down. They got the injuries on the back line. Uh, I mean, I could just keep going and going. If you take that team and you put that team together 
with their tight end set, double tight end set, with the receivers, young receivers they have, and, of course, the intangible on everything is going to be Lamar Jackson. Right. Boy, does he have a lot to prove. I'm even putting a few dollars down on him to win the MVP. Ooh. I mean, this kid this kid is really going to show what he has this year, and, and he has to. And I think the whole team really has to go with that, too. The, I, I just really believe that the Baltimore Ravens are going to turn everything around. They have a great schedule they're going to go with. They're really not playing too, but too, too many teams uh, to have a bad schedule. So it, we'll see what happens. And, of course, you know, I'll be rooting for, you know, other friends' teams and things like that. And, and yeah, and I'll be rooting for the Raiders because I live here. And, you know what, you got you got to root for them. But, yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it, it all works well with the Raider Nation. Great fans, fantastic uh, um, place to be in to, to watch this game. The, the stadium is unbelievable. But uh, I'll, I'll hang up now. I'll listen to your comments and just let me know what you what you think about that. And uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Uh, uh, hey, Frank, good call, man. Frank and Henderson right there representing for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not mad at that. Actually, that was a team that I was going to put into the playoffs this year. This was a team that didn't make the playoffs a year ago uh, because, like Frank said, so many injuries, right? I mean, they, they were in that one practice. I remember it was crazy before week one. We were sitting at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, and I was going back and forth on Twitter with a Ravens fan, and uh, we were talking, we were saying about the game coming up, and he was saying how you know the Raiders didn't have a chance, and I was like, well, I think it's going to be a good competitive game. And then in that practice, they had multiple DBs go down, multiple uh, running backs go down, and all of a sudden, like, dude was like ghosted from Twitter because he just. He couldn't believe it. They were so devastated. So, uh, I, hey, man, that's a that's probably a good bet right there. You know, I, I know that the Ravens have a, a, a great team, and I do expect them to be in the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, anything is possible. 229, we're at the Las Vegas ballpark right now. Battle for Vegas is going on tonight. We're going to talk to Ed Graney from, the, from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, also the Review Journal. We'll talk to him about training camp. We'll talk to him about this game and baseball's all-star break. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Did you ever play any sports besides football? Yeah, I tried a few. I I ran track, played basketball, played baseball, tennis, soccer, hockey, badminton, croquet. Polo, everything but golf. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy, Q. That's the sound of Marshawn Lynch talking about everything he's tried, everything but golf. And Marshawn Lynch will try his hand in uh, softball tonight as part of Team Josh Jacobs going against Team Riley Smith here at LV Ballpark for a battle for Vegas. That's where I'm at right now. Joining us on the phone lines is our good guy from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review Journal. That's Ed Graney. joins us every week. And, Ed, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And what are your expectations, man, from Marshawn Lynch at, at bat tonight uh, from in, in the Battle of Vegas? I don't know about him, but the Raiders are 2-0, and so my money's on the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> right. They're, they're, they've won both of these things. Uh, so it's cool that you're out there. I didn't know you're out there. Now, when you go out to cover the Battle of Vegas, uh, or Battle for Vegas, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, when you go out there to cover that, are you 40 yards away in the deep sun, or are they giving you shade out there? No, you, you know what? You need binoculars to see the players. No, no, and no. 
<laughs> I'm good. I don't need binoculars. They have us in the shade. They have us on the concourse. Oh. It's a li- it's still a little warm here, but uh, we just were delivered some nice water, so it keeps us cool. So sure. yeah, man. Hey, we got a fan going right here. We're we're a okay oh, here, brother. <laughs> man, well, listen. When we're out there for the first day of practice on Thursday, don't be expecting that kind of treatment, my friend. No, no, I don't <laughs> expect that. I do not expect that at all, at all. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting when we get out there as we got a little taste test from OTAs and mandatory yeah. minicamp. But, Ed, you mentioned it, man. Training camp, of course, the rookies and the injured players, they reported today, the veterans on Wednesday, and really activity starts on Thursday. I started off the show saying that uh, the playoffs should be an expectation for the Raiders now. Am I overstepping my boundary by saying that? Uh, no, I'm glad you just gave me the lead to the column on Thursday because I was going to write about expectations. So oh. uh, I need uh, you're you're getting a uh, finder's fee there. Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, they've you and I've talked about it often. I think they've built to win now, and if winning now means what, what should that mean? That should mean the playoffs. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean three years down the road winning now. So I think they've made their decisions on their roster to win now, and I don't think that's uh, crazy at all to think that that means the playoffs. I you know I don't know if that means winning the West. Right, but I think we both think it means qualifying for the playoffs like they did last year, and uh, I think that should be their expectation. That you know, the, you don't do what you've done in the off season for them, and then say, "Well, we're going to wait a few years." Right, and that's exactly what I was saying. Like, there's no, there should be no, uh, you know, hesitation in their voices to say that they're going to, you know, be a playoff team. Now, of course, you got to go get it on the field. You know, it's no, you don't just. Right you know, simulcast and go straight to the playoffs. You don't do that. But their expectations, again, with the moves that they made and and Josh McDaniels, I don't think and I never thought from the minute he took the job here in Vegas that he thought about any kind of a rebuild or any kind of a a letdown. I thought it was playoffs or bust for him. Oh, yeah. And we wondered about that, remember? I mean, when he first took over the job, it's like, okay, what's he going to do? There's two choices. You tear it down and you build it up or you try to win now, and that's what he picked. I think Raider fans should and are happy with that. I mean, no one wants to go through a rebuild, even if you think the guy knows what he's doing and, you know, he can get it done in three or four years. So by the guys he signed and the deals they made, he and Dave Ziegler, um, I think that's exactly what they want to do. And, and I think that also stems from where they come from. Right. You know, I, I think when you come from uh, that many rings on your fingers, you know, the last thing you really, you know, embrace is the idea is like, well, let's wait two or three years. So I think he came in with that mindset. We saw that early. We certainly saw it with some of the signings he made and then, Obviously, the Devontae Adams deal, um, that should have told everyone what he wanted to do. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, I don't think it's crazy at all that that should be their expectation. Like you said, it's going to be hard because of their division, um, and they've got a, you know, a really, really tough schedule. That's the other thing. They, yeah. they, uh, they, they have a really tough schedule. I think people – we haven't talked enough about that in terms of how difficult the schedule is. But, you know, it is what it is. That's your schedule. So if you're built to win now, go out and win 10 or so games and get yourself in the playoffs. Right, and if you go and go through your schedule and you win 10 or more games, then you feel pretty good about being a playoff team, right? You feel like yeah. that team that could make a run in the playoffs, just like Cincinnati did a year ago. I mean, I don't think anyone, including people in Cincinnati, thought they were going to make that run, but they ended up in the Super Bowl. Now they lost, but they ended up in the Super Bowl. So They ended up there, exactly. Exactly, so they have something to build on. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from uh, ESPN Las Vegas and also mm-hmm. the Review Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Richie Incognito, he retired as a member of the Raiders on Friday. We actually got a chance to talk to Richie on Friday, but – I know he didn't play in but a handful of games for the Raiders, but how big of an impact do you think he had on that team, and in particular, Colton Miller? I think he probably had a huge one. You know, Richie, I, I remember the day they signed Richie uh, Incognito, and obviously at that time everything in his past came up because mm-hmm. they're like, wow, you signed Richie Incognito, now what's that mean? And I remember Mike Mayock saying, you can't have all Boy Scouts. Right. Like, you know, he's had some issues in the past, but we have people around him that are going to help him. 
I actually think, and this is going to sound crazy because he didn't, he, you know, injuries obviously kept him from playing a lot for them. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to him that he signed with the Raiders. I think the last few years he's probably been more into football and, and even battling the injuries and, 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 and being a part of that team as much as he could be than he ever was in his career because I think some of those things we've talked about with Richie, that affected his career a lot. And I just think he came to Vegas with the idea that he was just going to play and, and play out his career. And like I said, injuries really kept him back from doing that. But I think that you know signing with the Raiders – just watching that the other day seemed to give him some peace, mm-hmm. um, seemed to give him good feelings about himself as, as he retired. And, you know, look, it could have gone the other way. We know a lot of it was, you know, self-inflicted by Richie. And I right. think he'd be the first to admit that. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think he, I'm sure he had a, a huge impact on Colton and all the young linemen. I mean, look, say what you want about Richie and, and the off-the-field stuff. Richie was a hell of a football player. Yep. Um, and they really missed him, I thought, when he was out. Uh, so I can't believe Colton didn't, you know, act as a sponge, the football part of things with him, as 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 all other linemen should have. And they, they had some they had some really good linemen in that locker room a few years ago with him, and you know Rodney and Gabe and those guys, really good linemen and football players. So I'm sure Colton latched onto all of them, but I'm sure Richie tried his best also to be a sponge. And I I I felt good, I felt glad for Richie the other day. You know, he got to do it his way, he got to go on his own terms. I'm glad that. You know, um, Mark Davis and, and, and players showed up for him and, and supported him because it hasn't been an easy road for Richie. Um, and like I said, we said it this morning on our show, a lot of it's self-inflicted, but, you know, we all, we've all done things that self-inflicted. Right. Um, so, yeah, I thought, I thought signing with the Raiders turned out to be, put it this way, signing with the Raiders, this is going to sound a little weird given he didn't get a play a lot because of the injuries, turned out to be much more positive than maybe people thought on that day, you know, that Mike Mayock had to say, we don't sign all Boy Scouts. Yeah, no, I know. And when when they signed Richie, and a lot of people, a lot of Raider fans were upset. You know, they didn't want to yeah. they didn't want to see Richie Incognito in a silver and black uniform. But I agree with you 100. percent I think uh, the organization did great by him, and I think he did great by the organization. You yeah. never heard about him getting any trouble. And nope. so, as far as him, you know, helping out with Colton Miller, he and he talked about it on Friday when he joined the show. He said, you know, hey, that was part of my job to come in and and kind of help toughen him up and show him, you know, what kind of show him the ropes. What do you think? Alex Leatherwood, who who can be Alex Leatherwood's Richie Incognito since now that Richie's retired? I mean, I hope it's Colton Miller. Um, got the big extension, the best offensive lineman they have. Um, not that old. I know he's not like the veteran Richie was, but when you're the best guy across the line, um, take him aside. And, you right. know, and, and, and Alex Leatherwood should be listening to everything Colton Miller has. Look what Colton Miller's done for himself in such a short time, getting that extension, playing the way he has. Uh, and I have to believe that's happening. Colton seems like a guy who he would help out anybody. I mean, every time we get to talk to him, uh, you know, good guy, um, you know, straightforward, doesn't mince any words, just says what's on his mind. Um, so I would hope Alex Leatherwood already, especially last year through the struggles, because the other thing that helps Colton and Alex is it's not so long ago that Colton was that guy, right, in terms right. of the younger guy. Uh, it's not He's not like a 20, you know, 18, 20-year veteran where, you know, the, the, they're just not, they're age-wise, they're just too far apart. So, I think it should be. Uh, I think it should be Colton, and I hope it is, and I'm sure it is. And uh, we're talking about we were talking about the other day, like you know, it's funny you and I have talked about. You know, when we go out there on Thursday, we get those binoculars out. It's <laughs> going to be second nature that we're going to be. You know, the binoculars are going to be pointing towards. Okay, who's starting on the offensive line? Who's the first group out? Yeah. That's going to be exactly who we focus on first. That 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 offensive line is going to be a conversation piece that we have all year long. And I'll tell you, Anita, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that interview that we did with Richie on Friday. I, I felt a lot more confident in the line 
after talking to Richie because there's some guys that he really feels like are going to step up, including Lester Cotton. And you know we've been in so many different media sessions where Lester Cotton's name has come up, either by Adam Hill, Vic Tafer, Vinny's brought him up. Many different guys have brought up Lester Cotton Jr. Do you think that this guy has an opportunity to be a player? I think anyone right now has an opportunity to be a player in that line. So, yeah, I think and, – and I think – other than Colton, um, you know, maybe Andre James, although, you know, we're, we're going to see what happens with the rookie and where he really goes. Right. But I think at this point, if you're battling for a spot, anyone has a chance to be player. I, I'm going to go back and listen to that. I did not hear the Richie interview, but I am interested that he said Lester Cotton. Yeah. Um, because he's not, a lot of, he's not a guy we're talking about a lot, right? All, all, right. all preseason, all we talked about is, well, who they're going to add? Who are they going to add? They have $21 million in cap. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who are they bringing in? And no one really talked about him. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, how does Denzel Good play? You know, I mean, uh, John Simpson, how does he play all these guys up top? Um, I think Lester Cotton, if, if if there's one place on that team right now where the competition is open other than the left tackle, that's the spot. Right, exactly. Yeah, he talked about uh, Denzel Good, or he talked about, excuse me, he talked about John Simpson, talked about his footwork and, you know, some of his technique he needed to clean up a little bit. But I'm telling you, if you go back and listen to that interview and you'll hear a lot of stuff about that offensive line and you'll get some really good nuggets from Richie. And he sounds like a guy, honestly, that I think is going to be a coach sooner rather than later. I don't know what what capacity. He even said he didn't mind being the strength and conditioning uh, intern, right? I mean, just, just to get into the organization because he loves being a member of the Raiders so much that he's going to go away to school in Arizona a little bit and then come back and spend some time with Mark Davis well, in the owner's box. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Q, when we were allowed in the locker room, and I think we're back in this year, but you yeah. know, the pandemic hit and we weren't allowed. Every After every game, when he played that year, he was one of the guys I went to because he was such an introspective and interesting quote. And um, he knew we were coming to get him, and he stood at his locker and he answered every question. And, you know, it's not often you go to an offensive lineman after every game. Right. Um, you know, unless they make a mistake, you know, and, and, and you know, then you, you got to go to him. But this would be every game I'd walk past his locker and at least ask him one question because he was such a good quote and he was so intelligent. So if you tell me Richie Incognito eventually is a coach one day, like I won't even blink. I think, um, I think he'd be a tremendous coach just because of his knowledge of playing all those years. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. And, man, I just I was kind of captivated from listening to that interview. I mean, he was just really, really good just talking. He's really good. Yeah, exactly. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Again, we're talking with Ed Grady here from uh, the Review Journal, also ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station on NSI Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions. I want to shift to the diamond. I'm here at Las Vegas Ballpark, and in, the, in, in Major League Baseball, it's all-star break, and uh, your Dodgers are, what, 10 games up in the NL West, so looking really good right now. What are your expectations for the all-star break that's taking a place there at Dodger Stadium. Well, you know I'm a nervous wreck. I'm only ten games up. Uh, <laughs> only you know, only ten. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm acting like they're twenty back. So right. <laughs> I, I like the All Star game. Um, I like the home run derby. I'd like to see Pete Alonso can do it three straight times tonight. Um, see, you know, I think the uh, people will be rooting for Pujols because uh, it's you know, it's his last one. Yeah. Um, I'm. I look. I. Kershaw's my favorite player of all time, so I'm glad he got to start the All-Star game. Now, does his numbers bear that out? No, but it's the All-Star game, so it's in Dodger Stadium. I don't think he starts anywhere else, so I guess I don't have a big problem with it. Um, there's other guys who are more deserving numbers-wise, um, but the first two guys he faces is Otani and Judge, so we'll see if Clayton can show up tomorrow night because uh, his quote was, it's good for my family, but I don't hope I hope I don't screw these things up. And you can screw things up with Otani and Judge and not even try to. Oh, yeah. I mean, quick, fast, and hurry. <laughs> Two pitches, it could go downhill real quick, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> what I about- like it. I like it. I like, I like the game. I like, uh, I like the, host, the home run derby. And um, 
I like, you know, that there's something they play for. I'm, you can help me. Do they still play for home field if the, uh, the winner gets home field? In the, I believe so. Field? I believe so, which I is mean, the I only all-star game. You want to play for something. Right, exactly. It's the only all-star game that means something. You know, I mean, all yeah. the other all-star games are just out there for fun, but I do believe that they still play for uh, who has okay. home, home field advantage Good. during the playoffs. Let me ask you this final question. Uh, Corey Seager, he was a longtime uh, yeah. Dodger. Now he's a part of the Rangers. He's going to be in the home run derby. What, do you, what are your expectations for Seager? He's a good player. I'll be rooting against him. But I will say this. I like Trey Turner a lot better. So uh, okay. it's good that – I mean, Corey went and got his money. He got over $300 million. I'm not going to I'm not gonna right. rip him for that. I mean, they weren't going to pay him that. And there's only so many times in your life at, in a professional level you can get paid. Uh-huh. And uh, he went and got paid. So good for Corey Seager. I don't know if he's a home run winning type of guy right. like Alonzo is who's just got, you know, the home run kind of swing. Uh, but, no, I – if Corey wanted, that'd be fine. You know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm more worried about who's pitching for us in the second half. You, right? I'm more worried about the, I'm more worried about the rotation. Ten is not a big enough lead for me. You are so funny. You sound like my mom. And Demond, you had a little you had a little note there on the All Star game. What was it? Um, they removed the uh, battle for uh, who gets home field advantage oh, in the okay. playoffs. Uh, they removed that in 2018. Oh, well, hey, we're only, we're only a couple that? years behind. <laughs> yeah, why did that? See that uh, Q was right though. But is the one thing yep. like at least you're playing for something. Right. I mean, you know, it's I know what all star games are meant to be in there for the fans, and I get all that. But at least they were playing for some. So, you know, now uh, what'll, the Mets will have to the Mets will have to uh, uh, go on the road maybe to the Yankees because I know it probably won't be the Dodgers. <laughs> there you go. There's Ed Grady at the edge of his seat right there. Even though yeah. the Dodgers have a ten game lead in the NL West, yeah. he is panicked. I love it. I love. It. Well, Ed, what do you got coming out on the RJ? What are you guys doing on ESPN Las Vegas? We should be able to look out for. You know what, man? It's going to have to be all Raiders all the time now. Um, yep. We're going to have to uh, get get with our sister station, uh, uh, the Raider Nation Radio, and yourself, and, and start opening camp and see. Maybe just talk tomorrow about top three or four storylines going to camp. I'm sure the offensive line will lead that uh, oh, yeah. group, and then with the paper, um, Mountain West Conference Media Day will be Wednesday. Tyler yep. and I will be out for that. See where the Rebels are picked in their division, and then Thursday it starts out at Raiderland. Are they uh, are, are they going to make a move to the Pac-12? Is the, is the UNLV going to well, are they going to take UNLV and San Diego State? I was going to say the question is not do they want to, but will they? Right. Um, the funny thing is, it used to be, and I'm going to write about this. It used to be, are you, if you weren't good at football, you know, it, it hurts you. And let's be honest, how UNLV's played at football. But nowadays, in 2022, you know this: it's about one thing, and how many eyeballs can you bring to the TVs? Yep. Like what's exactly. your what's your value in TV? What's your TV value to a league? So. You know, Vegas is what we're the forty-something market. San Diego State in the twenty market, and Southern California, they'd be number one, I think, of any conference coming into that league. But I will make the argument in the paper later this week, like, why not UNLV? Right. They have you know the forty-something market. It's a sports capital of the world. They play in Allegiant Stadium. Yes, they need to get better at football, but that's not the number one thing anymore. The number one thing right now is, is eyeballs and TV and what they think they can sell. And it's pretty pretty hard not to say you can't sell Vegas right now. Exactly. I got your back 100%. I would love to see them uh, get that nod and get to the Pac-12, but we'll see how it all shakes out. Everyone's moving around, Ed. Everyone's moving. So. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, my man. It's always great to catch up with you. I appreciate you. Have fun out there. Have some water for me. You might not get it on Thursday. No doubt about it. <laughs> appreciate you. There he goes. Ed Graney from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. Also, the, the RJ puts out some great work, so definitely make sure you check him out. And, uh, man, oh, man, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Pac-12 and see if UNLV and San Diego State can get that nod and slide on into that conference. That would be pretty cool. 2.50 is the time. Uh, we'll take a break. We're here at Las Vegas Ballpark. Battle for Vegas is going on this evening. That is Team Riley Smith, Team Josh Jacobs. We'll tell you all about it. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Real quick from Glenn in San Jose on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. He said, here's my seven that are going to make the playoffs from the AFC. What up, Q? What up, Damon? Raiders one, Bills two, Chargers three, Ravens four, Chiefs five, Dolphins six, and Colts seven. That is from Glenn in San Jose. And uh, one more text from Allen in Vegas. I currently have the Raiders winning the division at nine and eight. No game in the AFC West will be easy, and Las Vegas and KC will both take a step back record-wise. Denver won't be a cakewalk anymore. Raiders. Er day. That's from Allen in Vegas. 2.55 is the time when we come back. Elisa Hernandez, she's, uh, she's going to be part of the Home Run Derby tonight at Dodger Stadium. We'll talk to her about all the festivities. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.